0: This is Mouth Media Network covering the business of lifestyle.
1: This episode of Travel is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio.
2: Hi, I'm Brianne Kimmel. I lead the startups program at Zendesk. Um, What I love about travel is the community and the experience. I grew up in Northeast Ohio, I've lived in Sydney for four and a half years. And I've spent a lot of time traveling the world for both business and pleasure.
3: Talking to customers like a human, that's the job companies like Zendesk are doing on behalf of brands like Expedia and Airbnb. And it has become an increasing focus with the deeper integration of machine learning, AI and voice technologies, keeping humanity intact while conversing with customers, often customers who have a challenge needing a solution. Coming up, you'll hear more about this, along with how data insights are used in growth, marketing, and strategy for Zendesk, about a program for startups that offers a full suite of customer experience services for free, and how the reality of evolving mobility and travel could impact everything from marketing strategy to the future of weekend getaways.
1: From New York City, this is Travel Is Your Business, covering the intersection of technology and business in the travel industry, with Pavan Ball and John Matson. Hi,
0: Brienne. glad to have you here. So you have a great background in travel. You've done a, a bunch of different things with the same kind of line and First, you started at Nikon, um, And then you worked with Expedia, a few other startups, and now you're working with Zendesk. How does Zendesk relate to the travel industry?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, Let me give you a little bit of background. So I grew up in Northeast Ohio, um, visited Sydney, Australia, my junior year of college. Um, Ended up moving to Sydney, uh, thought I would stay for three months and ended up staying four and a half years. (laughs) So travel has become uh, very much a core part of my story. Um, I was at Expedia in Sydney and then in San Francisco and focused on social, um, social media, building a community and really understanding the full customer experience. Um, which really got me very excited about how do we improve the overall customer experience for a traveler? And that led me to Zendesk, which is a software company that builds products to improve that customer experience.
4: Can, can you unfold that a little bit more? So, what types of products and what type of experiences are, are they enabling at Zendesk?
2: Yeah, so Zendesk offers a product for customer support. So, if you were to Email, Airbnb, Expedia, mm-hmm. a number of different companies, um, our software powers that communication for you.
4: So virtual like AI type stuff like chatbots or?
2: Uh, yeah. So everything from email to, yes, we have a chatbot product, um, live chat on a website, just end-to-end communication, um, helping companies connect with their customers in a better way.
0: So we we've mentioned this before. Usually, when a a customer is reaching out to an Expedia or something, they're having a pretty they're usually having a tougher time with something. So, what are some of the experiences that uh, that you've seen? That's true. Because if something's going well, they don't reach out. Is yeah, that what you, you're saying? exactly. Usually, mm-hmm. they're they're you know they're having a seamless experience if they're not hitting up customer support. Right. So, what are some of the more common problems that you've seen? And like, what are things that travel companies should be like aware of as they're... Yeah,
2: it's it's, it's really, really interesting. So when I was working in Sydney, I helped set up a social customer care team. And what's interesting about social media is the immediacy. So if someone is going to um, message you on Twitter, you know, direct message you on Facebook, generally there's a problem. So it really comes down to having a lot of empathy for the traveler. And I think from a, a customer care perspective, oftentimes agents are trained to answer, answer with very formal responses. Mm-hmm. Um, like those like pre-can responses, they don't really work well in social environments. So you essentially have to train you know agents or customer experience managers to speak more conversationally and to essentially be more human. Um, a lot of times when it comes to travel, it could be anything from, flight cancellations, um, change of plans, you know, unforeseen circumstances. Now, you're
4: not telling a computer to be more human. You're telling humans to be more human.
2: That's exactly right. And I think that's something we're seeing in all industries where I think we've reached this point where humans long for community and for connection. And I think when you talk to a company, you know, you expect a very human response back. Um, I think that a lot of uh, direct-to-consumer companies do this really well. Like if you think about Warby Parker, if you think about – I'll use BarkBox as an example. They're a Zendesk customer. um, People like communicating with companies that treat them like real people. So we've kind of thrown out the traditional scripts and the traditional, you know, emailing, you know, back and forth. And how do we create a better communication between customers and their uh, I'll tell you I was
4: um I was traveling from Morocco to Lisbon Portugal recently and uh had some issues at <laughs> some issues is an understatement but had some issues with um uh actually getting on the flight for TAP Portugal and uh it did for the first time um catalyze is that the right word for this I guess, inspire me to actually reach out on Facebook or wherever it might be. It happened to be Facebook. And I received a generic response, which was fine, is saying, you know, give us your confirmation number and a a couple of your last name, whatever it might have been. Social security number. (laughs) Yeah. And i received absolutely zero support so i said oh thank you you know we'll we'll be looking into this and then i further kind of pinged them still nothing then i wrote on their wall the exact experience that was going on and i get a message right away saying can we take this on a direct chat and then when i did i sent them a direct message i got the same auto response back i was so livid um especially since at that point I was actually stranded in a country. So um how do you, like how do you tell like I will not fly TAP Portugal anymore after this experience if if I can help it, right? I think there's some routes that they pretty much own, but how how do you communicate this to airlines and to to partners overall our potential partners, how how important this actually is?
2: Yeah, so I think it's a really complicated problem, and I think. Wait, do you
4: guys power tap Portugal?
2: Uh, no. So <laughs> okay. I, I think <laughs> where I'm going with this, from a, from a technology standpoint, since we're we're talking travel and tech, yeah. Uh, a lot of these problems come down to policies that we have in place, or they come down to. Um, having not the right internal team structure to make things happen. So you might email, you know, that airline. You might email them, that's a different agent. You might, you know, message them on Facebook, that's a different agent. I think what we're finding is that, you know, companies need to have a holistic view of their customer and they need to understand, you know, how do we provide a really consistent experience across every channel?
4: That's not and easy. I think yeah. it's
2: not easy. It's not easy, and I think for larger companies, this is a lot harder. Um, I think what's really great and inspiring about startups, and that's an area that I'm really passionate about, is I think you, we're we're starting to see a lot of tech companies that are, you know, building really amazing customer first experiences. So you know, I think Lola is a good example. Mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of more like conversational travel companies. And I think they're really driving innovation in this space. So innovation is not going to happen within large multinational companies. I think startups are coming up with really new and inspiring ways of improving the travel experience. And I see that impacting the larger companies.
4: When you talk about a unified experience, um, when you take it to retail, That could mean you know the bridging of e-commerce and the store experience as well as your you know your your newsletters and all these things. There's generally um, a dashboard on the back end that kind of puts it all together. Is that what Zendesk is also providing for the client side? Like, what does that client portal or facing side look like?
2: Yeah, that's exactly right. So you know on the back end, what that provides companies with is metrics. So you want to understand how quickly is our average response time. Um, What sort of customer data points do we need to improve that overall experience? Um, I think you touched on a really good point, though. I think in the the retail space, everyone was moving to e-commerce. Now we're seeing a lot of e-commerce moving to retail. So I think you need both. And I think we're in an interesting time where I think specifically more millennial travelers, they're looking for experiences and they're looking for very local experiences, which means it's a very different type of travel than, you know, what we traditionally were used to.
0: I'd like to um, to dive into a little bit the specificity of the traveler's customer support experience because the stack is so deep right they could be having a bad experience on on uh line, but you know they have to take it up with customer support on a different airline or oh yeah you know point. there's there's so many things that, that they could be in the airport mm-hmm. and blame the airline and it could be the airport's fault or you know uh so you know has there, has there ever been is there a way that that uh, that customer support can be managed across not only uh you know experiences but also companies that they have to be interacting with mm-hmm. you know all the different touch points. Exactly, you know. right. I mean, is that something that you've seen with uh, with working with Expedia on both ends, you know?
2: Of course, yeah. I think the the beauty of the Expedia platform is the wide breadth of types of hotels, you know, number of airlines. But I think the challenge with that is, you know, Expedia is a booking platform. Um, you know, they don't necessarily control the quality of the inventory. So if you have a bad experience at, you know, a single hotel um, that is something that's isolated to that one property. But I think what's great about you know Expedia and all OTAs is that they feel very responsible for the customer experience. So they ensure that you know if you complain to Expedia, they then you know share that with the hotel partner. So I think there is this mutually beneficial relationship where if you you know have an issue or if you have you know a really positive experience it's great to share it with both the hotel and expedia because yeah. i think that helps to build that stronger bond between the booking platform and the property itself yeah, but
4: even like expedia is getting a lot of their inventory through apis right like so they're getting it from like a tariko or something like that so i'm just there's so many layers of people involved in a transaction in travel specifically that it's it's so difficult to even though on the consumer side the end result is i'm flying delta right so, if anything goes wrong with that, um, they could complain to like four different types of people. They're probably going to complain to Delta, but like, or to Expedia, their booking agent. But
2: it's really interesting too, because I think that's the number one reason why there isn't really loyalty in travel. Because mm-hmm. I think people, you know, I don't remember if I booked directly through the hotel or through Expedia or through one of the search aggregators. And I they think- don't
0: care at the time, they just want their problem solved. Exactly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I think that that is, I think loyalty is very hard in travel. I think what's very interesting is, you know, we are starting to see a shift where I think specifically millennial travelers are looking for a consistent experience. So oftentimes you would find that at a boutique hotel chain or, you know, even individual properties. So I think that's, you know, why we are starting to see more of like Ace Hotel, Kempton Hotel. It's a very consistent experience across the board. So whether you're booking, you know, Kimpton through Expedia or booking directly, I think people are looking for a great end-to-end experience. So they're willing to pay a little bit more and go for the boutique hotel.
0: Up next, we'll hear from Brianne on building community for B2C brands, on how data plays into the customer's experience, and on how to build hyperlocal communities. After this.
3: The superior audio quality on Mouth Media Network is powered by Sennheiser. And as a listener, you can receive a 25% discount on virtually any headphone, microphone, and other high-quality audio product available to purchase directly on the Sennheiser website. Just visit Sennheiser.com and enter the code MouthMediaSenn, that's Mouth Media S-E-N-N, at checkout.
2: Keep up with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B I Z Show. Our episodes are available on iTunes and Google Play and online at TravelIsYourBusiness.com. Plus, there are a lot more great shows on Mouth Media Network. Take a trip to MouthMediaNetwork.com to enjoy them all. And remember, we love fan mail. Drop us a note to say hi, suggest a guest. Or if you'd like to become a sponsor on the show, email us at travelbizshow at mouthmedianetwork.com.
4: I'm curious about how data rolls into all of this stuff, uh, maybe particularly with the the chat product. I know there's a ton of insights that you could gather from those conversations, and I'm wondering how much consulting or how much insights that you're able to drive to your clients so they can make um, informed decisions.
2: Yeah. So I think data is the foundation for great marketing today. Mm-hmm. Um, what's really awesome about, we'll use a tool like Facebook, for example. Um, when I was at Expedia, you know, when you think about a traveler, there are a number of very key data points. There is a travel booking window. Um, There are, you know, flight windows. There are a number of data points where if you want to run any sort of retargeting campaign, you need to make sure that you have a strong understanding of when is this person traveling and when are they coming back. Um, So I think data plays a huge part in the travel space. Um, There was a long project at Expedia where I was working on integrating our product catalog and the purpose of doing that on Facebook is that if you were to visit Expedia.com and you looked at a specific property, you know, if you didn't purchase right then and there, then it would be my job to retarget on Facebook, use display advertising, you know, use a number of different channels to ensure that you would come back and, and purchase that, you know, either flight or hotel Um, what's really interesting from a travel perspective and where this is very different from retail is, you know, we have a very short window. Like, you know, when someone is going to be traveling, you know, um, generally what type of traveler they are. You know, I think that in terms of making recommendations, you know, you're not going to recommend a five-star hotel to a general three and a half star, you know, traveler. So I think it's really cool from a data perspective to really understand, you know, what type of traveler are you? Are you a frequent traveler? Are you more of a, a once a year, more leisurely traveler? I think data creates a, a really unique opportunity from a marketing perspective.
4: Now, how about voice? So we're seeing a lot happening in, you know, whether it's Google Home or Alexa and, you know, uh, can you talk to that as yet? Is Zendesk working on any configurations that are, are attaching to those um, devices?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. Um, So we are thinking about voice. Um, What's really interesting for us right now and where we're spending a lot of time is we're thinking a lot around AI and machine learning. So I think for a lot of... um, Travel and retail customers, they want to automate as much as possible. So there are generally a lot of very specific FAQs that the average customer is going to ask. So what we're encouraging a lot of our customers to focus on is how do you build a self-serve knowledge base and how do you automate a lot of the really kind of easy FAQs that either a bot could respond to or someone could self-serve and use a knowledge base.
0: Interesting. So how does that, um, you know, do... I'm sure that Zendesk has like a ton of products, right? And you're working with large companies that have, you know, the infrastructure to work with these customers. How does like new companies approach this? How I know that you you lead up the startup program for Zendesk. So how is it that you would advise startups to work uh, through customer support? Well, what's the startup program? Yeah, let's go into that. Yeah,
2: yeah. So Zendesk for startups. It's a 12 month program. Um, we offer free software to startups. Um, This is something that we're incredibly passionate about. So our company, Zendesk, was started by three Danish founders. So we're very much an international company. We encourage employees to travel and to visit our other regional offices. Um, And the startups program has been around for three years now. Um, We're currently revisiting and and rebuilding this new program, which I'm really excited about. And the whole goal there is how do we ensure that startups – talk to their customers early and often. So I think that from a, a startup perspective, we talk a lot about growth and we talk about user acquisition, but we focus you know, less and less on post-acquisition, what does the experience look like? So that's something that we're really starting to think about is how often should you be communicating with your customers? What should that experience look like? And basically, how do you ask more questions? So if you want to improve your product, if you want to improve the experience, you know, it's really important to spend more time with your early users.
0: That's interesting.
4: So, so the the 12 months, is it the full suite of products? It is. And do you get support on top of that on how to use it? Because I mean, if I got that much power, I wouldn't necessarily have the, the know-how to really navigate all the um the hoops and triggers and things like
2: that. Yeah, that's exactly right. So there is, um, there's some support included. And I think one of the the great things about Zendesk is we, you know, we're a customer experience company. So we want to provide the best possible experience for our customers. So I think the biggest thing for the startups program is how do we work together and view it, view it as a partnership and really understand like, what do startups hope to get out of this program? Mm.
0: And, and in the travel space in particular, uh, um, especially again with your background in community building um and and customer experience uh, b2c is so hard for for travel right now like getting into that market is it's very difficult we've seen it you know time and again but um you know what would be your advice to somebody who's starting a b2c travel company
2: so i think in the b2c space um It is very challenging. You'll hear that a lot. I think when you meet with investors, they're a little bit hesitant on the B2C travel angle. Um, And I think there's a number of reasons why. I think that you'll get asked a lot of questions about why is, you know, leisurely travel can be low frequency. There's no loyalty. There are a lot of these hurdles that we have to deal with as travel startups. Um, oftentimes the the startups that I'm most impressed with are ones that are spending a lot of time with their users. So they're creating content with their users. They're really understanding how their product is different from the other ones out there. And I think we're starting to see a shift where um, travel itself um, – I think, I think you can call yourself a travel startup or there are a number of new products and services that improve the overall travel experience. So I've been thinking a lot about um, urban planning, you know, what does that mean for the future of travel services like Lime Bikes or City Bikes. Like we wouldn't necessarily call these travel companies. They're technically transportation but it's improving the overall travel experience, and I think technology is really changing the way that people travel.
4: We, we spoke with Chariot, um, which is uh, owned by Ford Motor Company, and uh, they're kind of viewing themselves as changing, you know, the future of mobility. Right um, to your point with city city bikes and things like that. Have you seen other? successful rollouts of um, kind of where you see the, the future of mobility going?
2: It's a great question. I think I'm very interested in a lot of the, the urban cycling offerings. I think that's really unique and that's changing the way that people travel and the way that people experience their own city on a daily basis. Um, you know, I think thinking 5 10 years from now, you know, how do we think about autonomous vehicles? Yeah. So is that going to is that going to change the way we travel? Um, you know, I believe that will change the way we consume media as well. So, you know, right now the we're very reliant on Uber, for example, or Lyft or these ride-sharing services. Um, what will it be like when we get into a car and, you know, we don't have to think about driving? We don't have to look at our phone, but we can, like, basically have big screens and, like, experience media in a new way. So I think there's a lot of cool things that are going to be coming in the next, say, five or ten years. Um, And it's travel and technology are at the heart of it. It's
0: amazing stuff. I'm, like, really looking forward to it. Um, Yeah. I I wonder
4: where – I mean, like, I wonder if it's – right now, you know, we use gas in our cars, you know. And I was thinking the other day when I was filling up is the, is this going to be one of those those things in 20 years where people look back and say man they really used to use gas in cars and like it's just so prehistoric <laughs> right um yeah but the, and the self-driving stuff you think it's 5 10 years for everybody
2: not 5 or 10 years for everybody yeah. but i mean it'll <laughs> I be, out there, it, sure. it'll I mean, be out there for sure i mean it's already out it'll there it'll be but... available um i think that you know we will see fewer and fewer people owning cars yeah so I'm wondering how will that change our experience as far as weekend getaways go? Um, yeah, it's very interesting. Like I also am thinking about the future of flights as well. Like, you know, you have on the low end, we have like Surf Air on the West Coast. You have Ryanair has always been around. Like there are a lot of cheaper experiences when it comes to flying, which encourages, you know, younger millennial travelers to you know really get out and experience life then you have on the high end there are new companies that allow you to rent private jets and you know learn how to do all of these new things that potentially we didn't have access to before
4: yeah uh john actually uses a, a chopper to get around Manhattan <laughs> to from uptown to downtown very quiet about it but now it's yeah, out there he He's just, he just calls his blade he has the blade up <laughs> and he just goes all around town which is really nice
0: um, you know, what's interesting is the, uh, I don't know how the, how much this, you know, has to do with the customer experience, but it was, uh, the infrastructure of a, of an actual airplane, right? Uh, and how when the airplanes were just you know getting started, there weren't even like three seats across. You couldn't fit in people on it. It was all airmail and everything. And you also had to push it off like a clip. Yeah, <laughs> 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 no, <not laughs> that way. Oh. I'm talking about when it was first becoming commercially. Viable. Oh yes. yes um, yes. but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's uh, I was just thinking, you know, from what you were just describing, what does the next airplane look like? That's gonna like. Get us like re- You know What's the next uh, Concord that doesn't crash the You know <laughs> That really <laughs> jets us across
4: um, to, Oh man the, the sound of a Concord That was so cool <laughs> That was so cool I wish I could have um, Ridden a Concord I'm just, I, I'm fortunate that I used to ride Pan Am when there was still smoking on planes because I think that was like the glory days of of air travel. <laughs> not that I like smoking. I don't smoke myself, but I just, I <laughs> just take the, it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It just used to be such a, like a, a glamorous thing to fly.
1: Right.
2: Yeah, it's exactly right. I mean, people would wear suits. They'd get dressed yeah. up. I think it's a very different world nowadays yeah. because we're traveling so frequently. It's not so much as that. It's not a to do anymore.
4: Definitely. So so how do you reach the, the 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 consumer through? I mean a lot of your work at Expedia was was paid social. Mm-hmm. So what is what would you suggest doing? Like what, what how do you start the funnel and then how do you target?
2: Yeah, great question. So um I'll go back to my my days in Sydney. Um I'm I'm not Australian. Mm-hmm. Um I lived in Sydney for four and a half years and for A huge part of that, I was focused on building a local product in China. So, not having that language capability either, it was a very interesting world where you're trying to build hyper local communities, you're trying to do this online. Um, So, it was very early um, performance marketing, very early paid user acquisition. um, And there were a lot of learnings there. I think, specifically when I think about a market like China, you know, the, the social media channels are different. The way that you build community is very different. And, you know, I got really, really good firsthand experience working with local community managers and really understanding, like, what are the various different market dynamics? And if you want to build a community, you know, how do you go hyper local when you need to? So how do you engage? You know, we'll use New York as an example New York is very much uh, neighborhood by neighborhood and, you know, one street is very different from the next street. Mm -hmm. The same goes for San Francisco and rather than creating a, a community or focusing content on touristy things, you know, you focus on like this neighborhood by neighborhood level experience because that's that's basically, you know, the modern traveler is looking for something that's feels more natural and doesn't feel traditionally tourist touristy. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think Until it,
4: everything becomes touristy.
2: Well, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> I mean, I think it's kind of funny where, you know, if you only travel and stay at ace hotels, is your experience really Routed. are you really experiencing yeah. something that's local or do you just like a very specific style of travel? Mm-hmm. I kind of make that joke because I've I've been doing a lot of international traveling. And I think whether you're in Williamsburg or Silver Lake or, you know, Surrey Hills in Sydney, like every neighborhood has its like kind of cool spots. And oftentimes you can't tell like one cool neighborhood from another. It has a very consistent like urban feel.
0: So how would you, how would you, how did you work with community managers on getting people to, to experience these surprise and delight them and then come back and do it again?
2: Yeah, it's really interesting. I think if you want to create local communities and if you want to have very authentic content or an authentic experience, um, it really comes down to teaming up with local experts. So I do really see a value in influencer marketing um, and I really do see a value in local storytelling. So I know um, historically travel magazines, um, OTAs. It's a lot just of, not
4: the way people research anymore.
2: Yeah. Well, exactly. And I think back in the yeah. day, what we would do is you'd you'd find a travel writer. And this right. is a, a coveted journalist. They've been all over the world. What I've historically seen with travel writers is oftentimes they're a little bit jaded. So yep. if your full-time job is traveling... Yeah, Your bar is very high it's, and it's very everything's different. Everything's
4: democratized now, right? Like, I mean, right. when when folks like, like, I'm assuming when we all travel, we check Instagram for like what's trending and, you know, things like Foursquare or even Eater and, you know, and then cross reference and like Yelp is not even a thing now because it's become such a like, you know, um, they're still they're still here.
0: It's, they are still there But I mean I don't trust
4: yeah. Yelp and their reviews Because yeah. you have to research where The person came from it's like different. Oh I hated the service at this restaurant And then you know their expectations are Just out of sync because yeah. they don't know shit about Shit <laughs>
0: <laughs> so it's like
4: You know like I mean I, I don't Know Yelp Yelp seems like it's more for Crying these days than it is uh, for anything Else it's turning into Twitter Maybe People Yelp want, needs, free stuff. They yeah. want free <laughs> stuff People do want free stuff
2: I think um, what's really interesting is I think uh, we're such a visual generation as well. I think yeah. a lot of people are Instagram first because a, a picture is worth a thousand words. For sure. Yeah.
0: Well, coming up, we go from a lens into Zendesk and travel community building to more personal side of Rianne.
5: Welcome to the All Possibilities Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Chan, intuitive life purpose coach and founder of Being My Purpose. I had a successful career, an Ivy League education, and led a very rational life. Several years ago, I had a spiritual awakening, developed psychic gifts, and decided to dedicate my life to pursue my purpose and empower others. I'm hungry to learn even more about the incredible potential of the human mind and spirit. On this podcast, I talk to entrepreneurs, executives, scientists, and leaders to hear their stories of transformation, the science behind them, and what it means for you to unlock your potential in your life and career. Together, let's embark on a discovery of all possibilities. Episodes are available on iTunes, Google Play, and our website, allpossibilitiesshow.com.
0: So, on a more personal note,
4: Brianne. It's uh, I have a very point. very creepy tone. I like it. Was it? Yeah, keep on going. No, please. <laughs> please join. Right in. I mean, yeah, no. My 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 ears are up right now. <laughs> They're, perked. <laughs> They're perked.
0: Uh, hold on. Uh, Sir. <laughs> lost That's my sorry train to of thought it. now, man. I have no idea. <laughs> well, you've had uh, a a good amount of travel experiences. You've lived in different places. So, um, what's the most What's the place that you would live in if you didn't live in San Francisco? Where would you settle down?
2: Great and, question. And why? hmm Um, I was very fortunate to live in Sydney for four and a half years. Um I lived in Bondi. So lived at the beach, loved mm-hmm. that lifestyle. I think for me um, did you pick up
4: surfing or did you already know how to surf?
2: I attempted surfing. Does that count?
4: It uh, absolutely <laughs> 100%.
2: Uh, I actually got into sailing. Oh, nice. Yeah. Is there a big sailing community? There is a big sailing community. Mm -hmm. Um, I haven't attempted sailing in San Francisco. It's a lot more windy. So I've heard it's a lot harder, but that's definitely on my to-do list. I think for me personally, I love big cities and I love being by the beach. So it's very limiting in terms of places you can find both. So I would likely go back to Sydney or I've spent some time in Cape Town, and I really enjoyed Cape Town.
0: Nice. Why Cape Town?
2: It's beautiful. Um, it's very close to a lot of nature. So loved um, doing a road trip, going on safari, the usual crazy fun things to do in South Africa.
0: Oh, the things you normally do in New York City. You know, yeah. Safari.
2: It's a jungle. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I'm curious to hear
4: about um, what you learned about yourself on these travels. So maybe specifically with Sydney. So you spent a number of years there unexpectedly and kind of fell in love with it. Um, What did you learn about yourself when you went out there?
2: I think travel is a really unique experience for everyone. It's
4: super personal.
2: It's very personal. I think that, you know, each year in Sydney or each year that I've lived in a new place has been very different. Like I've gone through phases where I've been extremely social and going out every night. I think there's also a really interesting intimate side of travel where if you're comfortable going to a new city by yourself or if you're comfortable doing solo trips, you really have a great time. Like you meet a lot of new people, you're forced to have new experiences. I think that's been something that has been really cool. I think for me as a person, I'm very, very social. So I actually find that alone time to be a lot more challenging. So I've kind of learned like definitely try to do both. I think that's a good time to recharge or to write about your travel experiences or to really try something new and adventurous.
4: Where have you been writing?
2: Um, Journal style
4: or Mainly
2: journal style. Um, I think that for me, I don't do it enough, but that's something I'd like to to do more this year.
0: Great. Um, so, Brianne, how would people get in touch with you or the work that you do
2: with Zendesk for startups? Yeah, absolutely. I would love to connect with um, anyone interested in travel and technology. That's definitely where my heart is. Um, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. It's at Brianne Kimmel for both. And then I would love to support any startups um, that are interested in the Zendesk for Startups program. And that is Zendesk.com slash startups.
0: Great. And Voyager members get a special perk in relationship with the Zendesk for Startups. Fun stuff.
4: And uh, Voyager members actually have some sort of discount you were mentioning, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Voyager
0: members get one free year of uh, the Zendesk for Startups program. Solid. Yeah. Good deal. Good stuff.
4: it, Voyager the membership is online, right? That doesn't yeah. necessarily, necessarily mean that I have to work out
0: of here. That's right. We have uh, oh, a o- cool. over seven hundred members now. Gotcha. At this point. Gotcha, um, gotcha. Yeah. They just have to apply that the that the be vetted and, and then they get in and then they get access to like an exclusive Slap group, uh, perks from the partners, things All the like things. that. So, yeah. The Slack group
3: is cool. awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
4: yeah. <laughs> I you know, I don't check in with it as much as I should. Yeah. I heard I I've, actually this is not the first time I heard it's very good. Well, thanks guys. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean,
0: it's all, it's all about the people in it. You know, it's great. That's it's great why to I stay see. on the sidelines. Just, <laughs> they can't ruin it. Yeah. It's I can't ruin it. it. I don't want to ruin a good thing. Um, and so Brianne, one last thing, uh, just a final thought on your experiences here um, uh, on travel or anything in, you'd like to say to the listener.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm really excited about what you guys are doing here. Um, it's an amazing space. I think that there's a lot of really cool things happening in travel right now. Um, just for my New York trip alone, I realized I use six different apps, um, and I'm using a number of like new travel-specific products. So I think that it's a really cool time to be in travel, and I think technology and, more specifically, startups are changing the way that we think about travel.
0: Great. you're a big part of that. So... <laughs> Uh, thank you again for being on the show and for my co-host, Pop and Ball. Shake it easy, guys. All right. We'll hear you next time.
1: This has been Travel Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at com. Keep up with the show on social media at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, travelisyourbusiness.com. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening.